1 Corinthians 7, we made our way, and I had not thought about, uh, thought about this until I actually got into the message uh, this morning, but we're pretty much halfway through the book, uh, 1 Corinthians. And we've seen how this church had a lot of problems. Uh, we, we saw in you know, the first half here how the, there was division within the church. They were uh, pairing up with their preachers and you know, favoritism. Uh, there was a need for discipline in the church, we saw in chapter 5. Uh, and, and even in the first part of chapter 6. And then we saw in the last half here of chapter 6 how they lacked discernment, and especially with you know, uh, their uh, morals, and uh, there was uh, immorality uh, going on. And of course, we understand that Corinth as a city was a place of immorality that was idol worship, and uh, it was just a part of their lifestyle. And, and so they were saved out of that. And many of them uh, were living... Um, with uh, you know, the mentality that, well, we're free in Christ, uh, we have, we're eternally secure, and we can live as we want. And it's not going to change, it's not going to change our salvation, so it's okay. And as we often say sometimes, they're presuming upon God's grace, and we know that's wrong, okay? Um, our salvation uh, should change our behavior, amen? Uh, we're not saved by works, but we're saved unto good works, amen? And, and so Paul addressed that issue. And as I mentioned last week, when we finished that message and, and uh, looking at that um, uh, portion of it, that Paul is then going to give a, the, the positive aspect, a preventative, if you will, okay? And that's exactly what we find in 1 Corinthians 7. We'll, we'll read the verses and then we'll have a word of prayer, okay? So verse 1, chapter 7, says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, that every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be, for, be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But I speak this by permission, and not of commandment. For I would that all men were even as I myself, that every man hath his proper gift of God, uh, one after this manner, and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. And, and so Paul is uh, addressing, again, morality and moral issues, but this time from a positive aspect. Uh, not so much as how to avoid immorality, but how to encourage uh, positive morals, and especially within the, the marriage relationship. All right, And there was uh, four things we, we saw this morning. Um, we'll kind of focus on one thing this evening, but you know, I'll mention a couple of others all right, uh, tonight. But there was a commendation that Paul gave. Then uh, there was consent that he uh, gave. There was contentment that he uh, uh, brought up. And then, uh, last of all, a comparison that that was made. All right. So, uh, what we see here is that marriage is God's provision for the God-given desires uh, for physical companionship between a man and a woman. Uh, marriage is God's picture of His unending and measurable love to mankind. And as a result, we need to demonstrate that in our marriage relationship. Amen. Uh, we need to show the world the love of God. Hmm. And, and we do that by loving our spouse uh, in a godly way. Amen. And, and showing to them that marriage really does still work. 
Uh, the, the world doesn't think it works anymore. And that's why they're redefining it. That's why they, you know, they're throwing it aside. But marriage still works. It's God's plan. Amen? And uh, if you've been married and, and you uh, do it according to God's plan, you know that. Amen? It's not easy. I didn't say it was easy. <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone's been married uh, you know, uh, any length of time would say it's easy. But it does work. Amen? Uh, it is work, but it works. Amen? <laughs> Let's um, have a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll get into our message. Lord, thank you for this evening. I thank you for every person who's here today. And Lord, uh, thank you for the, the good message and the good service you gave us this morning. I pray that, Lord, once again you would bless uh, this time as we come again to your word. Uh, Lord, please give me clarity of thought and help me, Lord, as I preach your word. I pray that, Lord, uh, your message will be clear to each one of us tonight. And I don't know the needs of hearts, but you certainly do, Lord. Uh, there's a reason that each person is here this evening and you have something for them. I pray that we will be attentive to what you have to say. And, Lord, I'll be attentive to what you'd have me to say, that, Lord, uh, you would have a free course and, and liberty to do as you uh, see fit here in our service tonight. And, Lord, we would respond uh, accordingly as you show us. And you'll get honor and glory, Lord, in this service and, Lord, our lives to follow. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing that we see is this commendation that he gave. And uh, I, I just uh, note this as well. All right, so in verse 1, he says, Concerning things wherever you wrote unto me. Um, so we're kind of turning a, 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 a page here, if you will, in, in his letter. So he's been dealing with issues that have been brought before him by other people. And, and now he's going to address issues that was brought uh, to his attention by the church itself. He says there were some things they had written to him and had questions about. And so now that he's going to answer those questions. He says you, you, you know, want to know about these different things. And he says, uh, number one, it is good for man not to touch a woman. There were two different uh, groups of, of people with two different kinds of uh, lines of thinking, all right, uh, in, in the Church of Corinth on this issue. There were those that were, I, I would call, the, the legalist, and that's what we see uh, brought up first here. And, and they were of the such that they said, it's not good to touch a woman. Now, we take that, and, and the Bible says what it says. It is good not to touch a woman, all right? They were taking this to an extreme. To the point that it was, it's good even to be celibate within marriage. Okay, that they wouldn't even touch their own life, you know. And, and uh, I, yeah, I brought up this morning how that the the culture and, and the the background they were saved out of, they were essentially setting themselves up for for a fall. Okay, um, and there was no, it was, a, it was, a, it wasn't necessary. All right. Notice Paul doesn't say that it is commanded. He says it's good, meaning that word good means that that's commendable. But it's not necessary. You're taking it to an extreme that is not required. All right? Uh, and, and so um, he, he's addressing that group. But there are also others, and, and, and he's already addressed this crowd in chapter 6, that were very liberal-minded and that they felt like, well, uh, again, we can just carry on as we used to even before we were saved, that we could still um, you know, be involved in these uh, sinful practices. All right? And, of course, we understand that that was wrong, too. All right. So there's a balance here. Uh, he's trying to, you know, the, the pendulum had swung one way with one group, and now they swung all the way to the other direction. And there's a balance that they, they need to, to strike. And so he's saying, hey, uh, let, let, let's get this thing right, okay? And so he says, it, it's good, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. So now when we move on, from this commendation he gave, he said, it's commendable what you're, what you're trying to do, but it's not necessary. And, and what you should do is 
let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. And of course, he goes on to explain that then. Okay, verses uh, uh, 3 down through about verse 6. He says, let the uh, husband render unto the wife due benevolence. Likewise, also the wife unto the husband. The wife have not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband have not power over his own body, but the wife. Um, he, he's saying there should be an uh, equal respect and, and, you know, and, and the, the, I guess the, the phrase has been coined so much, uh, it's even been a, a title of a book, Love and Respect. Okay? Now, uh, whether you, uh, you go along with the, the um, thinking on that title, so there are some people that uh, just hate that book. Okay? Um, I have not read that one personally, okay? so I'm not recommending the book. Uh, what I've heard from it, it is it is a good book, okay? But <clears throat> I have I can't personally endorse it because I've not read it. All right, so I'll, I'll put that little disclaimer out there. All right, it's supposedly a very good resource for married couples. All right, but anyway, um, but the idea is de is definitely good. All right, and that's that's what is uh, presented here. All right, uh, husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. We saw that in Ephesians five, and of course the wife is to respect her husband. She's being subjection. Okay, Let, let's go to Ephesians five. Uh, and, and review that as well. Because that is the, the basis of what Paul is, is saying here. Or I shouldn't say it's the basis, but it is uh, definitely um, part of what he's saying. The, the basis of what he's saying, and we saw this last week there, uh, he was quoting from the book of Genesis, you know, Genesis chapter 2. Every time that Paul or Jesus, um, you know, anyone in the New Testament was addressing marriage, they always went back to Genesis. Genesis is the foundation, uh, it's a foundation book. And not only for the creation of the world, not only for, you know, um, you find so many things that there starts, it's the book of beginnings, okay? Well, the home began in Genesis. And uh, that's where God created uh, the, the home. God created marriage in Genesis, amen, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. But uh, Ephesians 5 gives us some instruction, Okay. Notice in verse 21, it says, Submitting yourselves unto one to another in the fear of God. So you have kind of have that prerequisite there, all right? And then it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. So under that umbrella, if you will, of submitting one to another, a mutual respect, a wife is to honor her husband. And, and, and to be submitted to his leadership. And uh, this is a whole other message in itself, okay? But uh, again, we just kind of hit some high spots here. Does that mean that she's inferior to her husband? Absolutely not, okay? They were created equal. In fact, uh, if we went to Genesis 2, we took the time to, uh, we see in the initial creation, God created them together at the same time. Uh, Eve was created as part of Adam. That, that they, were, they were equal. Okay? And they still are equal. Men and women are still equal today, okay, in God's eyes. All right? But just like any uh, organization that, that you have, even a, a, you know, um, a man-made organization, you have to have some kind of, it has to be what? Organized. <laughs> An organization has to be organized, right? And so someone has to be held accountable and responsible for decisions made. Um, someone you know, is the one, it's, it's, it's their fault when things go wrong. Amen? Uh, and, and so the, the same thing is true of the home. And that's how God has designed the home. The man is not necessarily better than, he's not better than the woman, but he is the one held accountable before God for the decisions that are made in that home. You know, I, I will give an account of the things I allow to go on in my home. And, and 
even things that, you know, uh, my wife, if I delegated that to her, let, let's say, but I still will be the one that I give an account to before God because I was responsible for what I allowed her to do in, in the home. Okay? Uh, that, that's my uh, responsibility, all right, as the leader of the home. This, and, you know, I, I say this often, and I know sometimes I don't think you guys believe me, but if you really knew just how much, how true this is, all right, um, you know, uh, Amy, my, my wife, y'all, most of you know, you know Amy, but, um, and she's not here tonight, Mary Marianne's sick, so that's why Amy's uh, missing, missing this preaching on the home, amen, uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, I said she, she got, she got most of it this morning, so she'll be all good, you know, but, um, Amy, my wife, I listen to her because she makes me look good. And if y'all knew, sometimes the things that, you know, I'm just like, well, I'm, I, wouldn't, I don't know what to do about that. And she would make a suggestion. I'm like, wow, that is really smart. You know. Uh, and, and then, you know, I, I get to take the credit for whatever advice she gave, and it makes me look good, you know. Well, hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate a wise lady as a wife that makes me look good. Amen. And so, you know, um, hey, but she does that in subjection. I, I, and she, she respects the, her husband. And that's what lives are supposed to do. In return, uh, men were to love as Christ loved the church. Okay. Um, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. The ladies are like, come on, pastor, get there, get there. You know. Uh, you park down there at verse 22, and you're going to get to verse 25. Here we go. Okay, ladies. All right. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church okay? and gave himself for it. That is a tall order. Amen? It is a, a pure, holy love. Christ loved us. He sacrificed everything and gave everything for us. We ought to give everything, men, for our wives. That's right. We ought to give everything to uphold them, to respect them, to honor them, uh, to meet their needs. Uh, that's what God calls us to do as men, as husbands. Uh, look in verse 26, then he says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. They might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. You ever wonder where that, that phrase, uh, happy wife, happy life comes from? Right? Hey, if you take care of your wife, it's just as if you're taking care of yourself because she's gonna that, that's gonna come back. That's gonna you're gonna get a dividend on that. Amen. That's gonna pay. That's gonna pay off in the end. Okay. You take care of your wife, she's gonna take care of you. All right. And, and so, hey, we need to take care of her uh, just like we'll take care of ourselves, and even better because it will come back on us, and uh, you reap what you sow. Amen. So, happy wife, happy life is biblical. Amen. All right. Uh, so. This is, like again, uh, the, the mutual respect that Paul is talking about there in 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, let's go back over there. And obviously here he's speaking of the, the physical relationship, okay? Um, and we talked about this morning, uh, we looked at Genesis 2. Uh, I don't think we'll, we'll go back there uh, this evening. But again, that, that's the foundation of, of marriage. And we talked about how... Marriage was, was made before sin entered into the equation, all right? Marriage is, some, some people think that, you know, the, the physical relationship of marriage, and, and maybe, you know, we don't know the, the mentality of these, uh, this group in Corinth that was saying they were going to abstain, uh, even, you know, within the, the, the marriage uh, relationship, they, they were going to be celibate. Uh, I, I've heard of people like that, okay, and, uh, you know, today, and I don't know anyone like that, all right? But um, I've heard of you know, couples like that and such. And 
Sometimes people grow up with the idea that the physical relationship in marriage is a dirty thing. And, and, and sadly, even among Christians, because the world has so distorted it. Okay? And, 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 you know, and, and we, we understand what the world does with the physical relationship uh, between, between uh, genders. That they, they have made it a, uh, a sick thing. And, and it's sad. It's the, devil, the devil's counterfeit. All right? um, that's not what God intended. Amen? Uh, God, God created as holy. Uh, an innocent thing. All right? Before sin was ever in the world, God created the physical relationship for a man and a woman within the bonds of marriage. And it, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing dirty about it. It is a pure, innocent thing that is to be enjoyed for a husband and wife. And, and that's what you know, Paul is making uh, the, the point here that, hey, these, this group that had swung to this extreme, okay? Now, again, we use this uh, phrase in verse 1 about it's not good for men to touch a woman. Uh, that is a good thing outside of marriage, okay? Uh, I think it's a very good principle. Uh, I was uh, talking to someone this week, and uh, they were asking about some advice on, on relationships and that they're not married yet, and so they want to make sure they're honoring uh, the Lord. And I said, well, I think it's good to follow the principle of 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1. It's good not to, not to touch a woman. And uh, if you're not married, you don't need to be touching, okay? Does that mean that you can't ever shake their hand or whatever? doesn't mean you can't. doesn't mean you've sinned, all right? Okay, we're not saying that you know if you you know actually brush up a, a, against a lady in church or something you you've sinned, but I think you need to avoid it. You just need to avoid it. Okay, uh, there's no reason to. There's no reason to. All right, uh, you, you need to avoid uh, any uh, temptations. You need to avoid uh, damaging your testimony, and, and and just be on guard. Okay, because Satan is, is a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Uh, he, he wants to ruin your testimony. He wants to, to provide the opportunity for temptation to sink in. And so follow the principle. If she's not your wife, you don't have any business uh, interacting with her in a physical way. Just just avoid it, you know? Uh, talk to her husband, you know? Uh, he's probably, you know, uh, he's probably better to talk to anyway, all right? So, uh, yeah, because he's a man, all right? You know, men talk about men things, amen, right? All right, so um, it's a good principle to follow, Outside of marriage, all right? Within the bonds of marriage, though, Paul's saying there is a consent that you should have a physical relationship within marriage between a husband and a wife. Notice he says, verse 2, that every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. So what we see about this relationship, it is an each and every relationship, all right? It is exclusive it's within the bonds of marriage, all right? It's one man for one uh, woman, and, and God designed that relationship for a life, but it's for every relationship. If, you know, if you're married and um, you're not active in your physical relationship as a, a husband and wife, then there's something wrong. And you say, well, Pastor House, and are we supposed to, supposed to do things, and what kind of you know, guidelines is there and such? Well, uh, if you want to talk to me privately, <laughs> we can discuss those things. I guarantee you the Bible addresses every area of life. Amen? Uh, they're not all appropriate for a general audience. Amen? But uh, there, there are certainly things in the Word of God that, that you know, give us instruction in, in every area of life. Amen? But it is clear here that that's... That aspect of our, our, our marriage is supposed to be an active uh, part of, our, of every marriage, amen. And, and when you do, when you when you fail to do that, um, he says, verse five, uh, defraud you not one the other except if you consent. And uh, as I come back to that, 
the, the end of the verse there, he says, it says, tempt you not for your incontinency. What Paul, the, the, the point he was making here, and it, he kind of made the same point with verse 2, he says to avoid fornication. Again, Corinth was a wicked, immoral city. Uh, and, and a lot of these individuals had been saved out of that lifestyle. So, you know, to, to, to try to swing that pendulum to the, to the point that they, they're just going to abstain from all kinds of, you know, uh, from, from any uh, kind of physical relationship, even within marriage, they were setting themselves up for temptation. And, and Paul was saying, you need to have that, that relationship with your wife, with your husband, to avoid the, the pitfalls the devil is setting out there for you. And, and so that, that needs to be a part of your marriage. Amen? Um, what he says here in verse 5, Defraud ye not one the other. The word defraud there, it means to, to spoil or to, to hold back. All right? He used that verse or that word earlier. Look down and check back over chapter 6, verse 8. Where this is where he was speaking of them taking one another to court. Okay? And he said, Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brothers. Um, verse 7, he said, why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? In other words, you know, th they were concerned over temporal issues. Um, you know, maybe it was a, a, an issue of money that you know, was owed between them. Maybe it was uh, an, an item that they were supposed to return. And, and so uh, you know, he's like, hey, man, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to bring my tools back. I thought you was giving those tools to me to keep. And, you know, and they, they had this disagreement. And so he said, man, I'm going to take you to court over that. I'm going to sue you to get my tools back. I'm going to sue you to get that money. And so they were, they were fighting over these temporal things. And, and Paul just said, hey, it would be more spiritual for you to just say, you know what? I, I never agreed for you to keep those tools, but I'm going to forgive you and just let you keep them. I forgive you. And, and restore your brother rather than go and fight in court in front of the unsaved uh, over some tools that, you know what, God can replace. Amen. He said, but instead, you, 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 def you, you defraud your brother. All right? It would be better for you to take the hit yourself, so to speak, and, and let the tools go and let God, let God sort it out. And let, you, know, you just forgive your brother and go on. Well, here, that's kind of what Paul is saying here in chapter 7 between a husband and wife. He's saying, you defraud uh, one and the other when you with you're withholding your physical relationship. If you're using that as a bargaining chip, or well, you know, yeah, when you when you quit doing this, then then, then we'll we'll do that again, uh, or whatever. If you're using that against your spouse, you're defrauding them. You're withholding from them what is rightfully theirs, because they're committed to you in, in marriage. Amen. And, and so that needs to be a mutual agreement. Uh, that, again, that mutual respect and openness uh, within the bonds of marriage, and uh, that to have that uh, physical relationship. Again, to guard against temptation. Uh, notice the, the exception he gave here, okay? Uh, he said, Except it be, verse 5, it be with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. The only exception that he, that he gives is for fasting and prayer. And notice he says, And you come together again, that Satan tempts you not. So it is for a temporary time period. And it was something that they would agree on uh, mutually. Okay, uh, it wasn't just that you know uh, all of a sudden you feel more spiritual than she is, and you decide, well, uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna be inactive for you know thirty days, and I'll be praying and seeking God. You know, well, that sounds real spiritual of you, but um, make sure she agrees to it. 
because she is very much involved in that decision. That that, that affects her. Same thing, ladies, vice versa. You know, you say, well, I, I, I'm just going to, you know, I don't think I have time to do that because um, I'm going to be reading my Bible. Well, there's 20, you know, there, there's 24 hours in a day. Um, I think, you know, you can probably make time to read your Bible, probably, you know, uh, watch a little less Netflix, you know, a little less Facebook, you know, um, a little less gardening, um, and you, you can find time to be with your husband. Amen, ladies? Uh, hey, it, it's important, all right? Um, one, one preacher... I thought this, this was really good how he, uh, how he uh, uh, compared this, so to speak. All right? if you're, so the, the, the exception is prayer and fasting. If your prayer and fasting is to the, to the extent that it limits your physical capabilities, then God gives you a pass on the physical relationship within marriage. If you're fasting to the point that you're so weak, you're not able to carry out your physical relationship, then God says, that's okay. I'll give you a pass. Otherwise, you need to carry on. You just need to carry on. Because, hey, you need to avoid temptation. And not just for your spouse, but for yourself. All right? You know, there's been many a people, oh, many a people, and some sadly I have known, that thought they were spiritual enough that they did not need to, um, you know, be on guard, so to speak. Yeah. And that, hey, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, I, I, I know, Pastor, that that's, that's what the Bible says, but I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm okay. I, I pray a lot. I, I, I read my Bible a lot. Um, you still have a flesh. Yeah. And you need to be on guard. Amen? And if you're married, God's giving you a safety valve within marriage, the physical relationship. Amen? And, and you need to cultivate that relationship to be on guard against the flesh and the, the world. Because uh, they're out there to see. Again, the devil's out there seeking whom he may devour. Amen? Um, look at verse 6 then. He says, But this I speak by permission and not of commandment. So again, he, he was saying, you know, that this group uh, that was taking this extreme uh, extreme position that you know they were celibate with, even within uh, marriage, that he said, I'm not commanding you to do this. I'm not commanding you to uh, have a time of prayer and fasting. And you say, well, Pastor, who does that? Um, that's what Lent is. And I, I'm not as familiar with, um, with uh, Islam, but I know they have a very similar uh, time of, of fasting as well, all right? And, and um, within the Catholic Church, you have the uh, priest who are celibate. Okay? Uh, they take uh, 1 Timothy 3. Let's turn over there. Okay? I didn't... This wasn't in the notes. This wasn't this morning. So, uh, you didn't get this this morning. So, we'll, we'll go over here and <laughs> get it tonight. Amen? 1 Timothy 3. This is the qualifications for uh, pastor. It says, this is the true saying, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Now, there's a lot of different interpretations of that phrase, husband of one wife, okay? And it's obviously a different message, but I'll just say this. The Catholic Church takes this verse to interpret the one wife as being the church. And that is why you have priests who are celibate. 
And of course, now I believe now there's you know um, that they've begun to change that a little bit. All right, but uh, and, and what happens? Uh, what what do we see in the news with priests? That there's all kinds of immorality and, and uh, you know. Um, uh, yes, all kind of, uh, of things, uh, you know, with children and things. Why is that? It's because they don't use the, the God-given protection of marriage. And, and so they set themselves up for disaster and destruction. Okay? And it, it, it's sad, alright? Um, and I'm not just picking on Catholic, Catholics and the priests, okay? Um, there's a lot of good preachers who... Get busy serving God and fail to cultivate the relationship with their wife, and the devil ends up destroying their, their marriage and their homes. And you don't have to be a preacher to have a target on your back either, okay? Uh, any child of God, the devil would love to destroy your home. And hey, the best way is you make sure you make time for your wife. You spend time with your wife. And ladies, make sure you spend time with your husband. And, and Render unto them that do benevolence. Amen. Just as the scriptures say. Uh, it, it is so important that we guard ourselves and our home and that we love each other the way God intends for us to. Amen. So it's, it's not a commandment. He said, I speak this by permission. Uh, you're, you're allowed. And he's not saying that you, you have to come back together. No, it, it's assumed you will come back together. All right. He's saying you're, you're allowed to come apart for a time for the prayer and fasting. But... Um, that's not necessary. It's not a, not a requirement. Okay, Verse 7 then he says, and, and this is uh, kind of where we left off this morning. Uh, he says, For I would that all men were even as myself, every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner, and another after that. And he's speaking here, of course, of being celibate. Okay, And uh, Paul was writing as an unmarried uh, man. The writing slaves are unmarried men. Now, there, there's some speculation that Paul may have been a widower. We don't know that. Uh, but the scriptures don't tell us specifically. He did say uh, a lot uh, in regard to marriage. And it could be that simply the Holy Spirit gave that to him. Um, but it also may have been that he was writing um, from, from previous experience. And then his wife had passed away. Okay, We, we don't know. All right, and, and so we don't need to speculate really on it. Um, but we, we are know what God told us here in, in the Bible. All right, And here Paul had been given a gift of celibacy. When uh, young people, especially, of course, uh, I, I say that to young people, but anyone who's, who's single and it, they get to the age to where they're independent and they, they think, man, I wonder if I'm going to find that special person. You know, when I was young, and I just confess I'm old. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just scratch that, Jenna. I didn't, I didn't say that. Okay? I didn't say that. When I was younger, when I was younger, okay, we're going to fix that, okay? Man, the things you do when you're live streaming, you know? Anyway, all right. You know. When I was younger, yeah. uh, I was single. I, I wanted to get married. I was, I was like five years old, you know, I wanted to get married. I mean, you know, I, I, I was looking for the girl, you know? And I, I'm so glad that I didn't find her right away because um, it, it took a long time to find the right one, amen? But uh, I'm so glad I found the right one, amen? But... I had that desire, and, and of course, when I, I came to that point, that, that age where I was independent, and I, you know, I felt like you know, uh, I, I could get married. Well, then it was a question of when am I going to find it, and it is the, you know, the right one. Um, you know, 
Sometimes you, you, you begin to, to question as a single person, are you ever going to get married? You think, my goodness, uh, you know, are ever going to find the right one? And uh, maybe you, you've uh, been involved in some relationships and had some friendships. And you think, yeah, this is going to work out. And then it, it doesn't. And all, you know, your heart gets uh, broken and, and things. And I, I'm not saying you need to, to date around or you know, anything like that. Okay, um, But it, it does happen sometimes, does it not? And, and you, know, you, you begin to question, God, do you really have someone for me? I, I think that there's a, there's a sure way to answer that question. All right. Uh, down here in, in verse nine, he says, "I say therefore to marry uh, to the unmarried and the widows it is good for them if they abide as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it's better to marry than to burn." You say, Pastor, do you know that God has someone for me? I, I, I'm single, and I, does God have somebody for me? Well, the question is, do you burn? Do you have desire to be married? If you do, God wants you to be married. Mm. Simple as that. If, if, if God's given you the gift of celibacy, you'll have no desire for marriage. Because God has put it in every human being desire for that companionship and that relationship. That, uh, and celibacy is the exception. Now, there's some that uh, you know, um, have celibacy forced upon them. Uh, different religions and things. Uh, you know, and, and even uh, today within certain empires and such, you know, especially in, in Bible days, you see eunuchs that were devoted specifically for the king and, and you know, to, to serve the king. And they would be committed to not having their own families uh, to the point of, you know, to show their commitment and devotion to the dynasty, so to speak, in the empire, all right, um, that they would choose to be celibate uh, and, and, you know, um, go to extremes to, to demonstrate that, all right. But uh, that's not a requirement, Okay? God has made it as a, a human desire for the majority of, of human beings to desire that companionship, the close relationship you have as a husband and wife and a, a man and a woman together. If you desire that, God has somebody for you. Amen? And you say, how do I find the right one? Well, that's a, that's a whole other message. Amen? But you need to seek the Lord and, and follow godly counsel and follow the Word of God. Amen? But God does not uh, expect individuals to have God God does not give think about this God is not uh, a person of uh, who likes to taunt us you know God does not give us desires and then just you know dangle the the um, the answer in front of us say yeah you, well, don't you wish you could have this don't you wish you could do that you know that, that's not that's not the God of the Bible okay God does not give us uh, desires to, to do certain things and and then never grant them God has a plan. And he, he is working that plan out in your life. You may not always see how it's coming together. You may not know that person. You may not uh, you know, be aware of that person. Uh, honestly, if you'd asked Amy and I 12 months before we got married, if we were going to be married in 12 months, we'd have said no way. We were, uh, we were together as a couple and at the wedding altar in five months. Yeah, it happened fast. Amen. You know, uh, I always say when when you when you know you got what you want, you, you don't mess around. Amen. You just hurry up and <laughs> take action. Amen. And, and so, hey, uh, that that may be the case in your life as well. Now, it may be that somebody you do know, uh, and, and God is slowly, you know, bringing that the whole process and bringing you together. Uh, I, but 
Rest assured, if God's giving you a desire to have that relationship, then God has someone for you. Amen? And, and you can trust Him in, in working that out. Amen? Uh, let's, let's look over in 1 Thessalonians. Share one other thought here and then we'll, we'll wrap up. 1 Thessalonians 4. Show just a, a few thoughts that, uh, again on, on the relationship. So, verse three, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. Yes, it says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because it's the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. And so here, uh, again, he gives the warning, uh, quite clearly, verse 3, that you abstain from fornication. So that's the, the, the problem, if you will, is fornication, immorality. And to, to do that then, he says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. It's, it's interesting, the, the Greek behind this uh, term, this word vessel, to possess his vessel, that was a, a, a word that was sometimes used uh, to refer to a man's wife. And, and uh, to possess it, it meant to acquire. And, and so what he, he's speaking of here is going about the right way in acquiring a wife. Amen? And, and so it, it, the, the will of God is that you abstain from fornication. Now, that's the exact opposite of what the world tells you. The world says, well, go try it out. You, you can live together, and if it doesn't work out, we just part ways, you know, and uh, uh, hey, we'll even get married and have a prenup, and if it doesn't work out so, many, you know, so long, we can just dissolve it, and nothing ever, hey, <coughs> none of the worse. And if you believe that lie, you're cruising for a break. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? You're going to be devastated. You're going to be hurt. Because that's not how it works. Um, marriage is not a, a, a trial. You can't do a trial run with, with marriage. Marriage is commitment. Mm -hmm. that's, that's why uh, God uses it as a picture of His commitment to us because He is, he is committed to us and no matter what. And, and so uh, marriage is, hey, you, you're all in. Amen? You're either married or you're not. Amen? And, and so He says uh, that you uh, possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. That, you know, the lust of concupiscence, that's just speaking of, hey, that uh, they're all about the physical. Uh, the physical relationship is definitely a part of marriage, but it should not be the, the primary focus of marriage. Amen? That there's so much more to that, the relationship of marriage. And we talked a little bit this morning, how there in Genesis, when God said they should be one flesh. And that that's not just speaking of the physical relationship, although it is, but it's speaking of the, their emotional needs and, and spiritual needs. How that uh, you ought to be able to serve God with your spouse. You ought to be able to relate to, to one another emotionally and, and, and bear one another's burdens. You know, your, your wife, men should be your best friend. And, and ladies, your husband ought to be your best friend. And you, you can share things with, with her, you can share things with him that you can't tell anybody else. 
they're, they're a source of encouragement, a source of hope. And, you know, um, I, I've said it many a times, I don't think I'd be in New Zealand if it weren't for Amy. And, and there were times that she would say the, almost the exact opposite. I remember one time we were facing a low point in our, our life and things had gotten really hard. We didn't you know, know if we were ever going to get here. And we had, we had to climb a lot of mountains. Amen? But uh, she said, I, I don't think, I don't think uh, you're going to get to New Zealand because of me. She said that. And I, I, just, I, I stopped her right there. I said, no, honey. I said, you're wrong. I said, I'll get to New Zealand because of you. Because of you. Because you're going to keep me strong. And you know what? Here we are. And man, uh, our, our story, <laughs> uh, when it came down to, to go or no go, she was the one that pulled the trigger. Amen. And uh, she just believed God. And uh, she knew. Uh, and I'm so thankful for a godly wife. Amen. Hey, she was, and you know what? This was, it wasn't her dream to be in New Zealand. God didn't call her to New Zealand. But God had called her husband, and she believed in her husband and believed God's call on her husband. And <clears throat> together we, we made it. Amen. Together we fulfilled the will of God. We served God together. Hey, that, that's how we operate right now. That, that, there's no way I could do what I do without her. Amen. And, and, and I think she would say the same. All right? No, I'm not going to look at the pulpit. Okay? <laughs> but, you know, there, there is a, a one flesh relationship. We are one in spirit, one uh, emotionally, and one physically. And, and that's what God intends. Uh, it's not all based on, on the physical aspect, but that is certainly a part of it, all right? And, and so you want to go about the right, uh, finding a spouse in the right way, amen? Um, go back to 1 Corinthians. Uh, I'll point out one other thing there, and then we'll, we'll be done. Where he says in verse verse nine, uh, let them marry for his better to marry than to burn. The uh, again the the Greek we're not yeah uh, I'm not a big you know Greek uh, person all right but uh, just reading reading up on a little bit of this okay the the Greek uh, word wording behind. This is very strong. Uh, we, we obviously get the message in English, okay? But the, when you look at the, what, how it was written in the original language, it's just even more emphatic and, and stronger, okay? And it's tense, okay? So um, where it says it's better to, mar uh, better to marry, it, it's signifying a marry as in once for all. Once for all, okay? It, it's a, it's a one-time decision. Uh, whereas burning, it's better to marry than to burn. That is a continual action. And so Paul was saying, it's, it's better to marry and, and, and to have your spouse that God has given you for a life than to be continually battling temptations and, and the lust of the flesh. You, you, you need to, and, and, and you know, this is, uh, when I, I do marriage counseling, I, I tell, you know, uh, couples, look, you don't need a long engagement. You, you don't need a long engagement, okay? You know, I, I think of some couples, uh, it wasn't a couple in our church, but there were some others I know, um, some of the you know, uh, churches we fellowship with that were engaged right there uh, around the time of COVID. And when the lockdowns came and they were, you know, the, the weddings got canceled, or, you know, they, they couldn't do their weddings, well, they, they, heard, had it, they just heard about Mary. Because yeah. they didn't know how long <laughs> it was going to be before they could have the official ceremony and such. Hey, that's what's wise. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. 
Don't, you know, uh, to be you know, sitting it out through a lockdown and, and you know, you're just holding out and, and so you can have the official ceremony and, and have it all just right. You, you, don't, you don't have to have a fancy ceremony to be married. Yeah? You can do the ceremony whenever you know, it's convenient. All right? But you don't want to put yourself in a position that you're tempted to fall. And, and you don't want to play with the flesh. Amen? It's better to, to just be married rather than to continue to be fighting the flesh. Because you're putting yourself in a position of temptation. Amen. And uh, I've already mentioned that the greatest thing about marriage, and the reason it's so important, is because it pictures God's love for us and, and His church. Amen. And that's why we need to get it right. Amen. Uh, the, the world has, has redefined marriage as, you know, being uh, the same genders and such, and men and men and women and women. And, you know, I, I guarantee you. That the time is coming, and, I, and there's already been talk of it in the states, not on a large scale. But the time is coming when bestiality will be normal. Mm. That you'll be, it'll be legal to marry your dog. That's coming. I, I guarantee it. There's, there's already been legislation in certain states in America that is trying to pass that. It's sickening. And all it is is the lust of the flesh. And, and the desire for me and, and what I want. It has nothing to do with, with true love, God's love, a holy love, and it belittles marriage as God intended. And that's why we as Christians, we need to stand up and say, you know what? That's just wrong. And this is what's right. It's one man with one woman for life. And we're committed to one another. And that's what God intends. And you say, well, Pastor, it doesn't always work that way. You're right, it doesn't. And I understand that. And you know what? Paul is going to talk about that, too. And we'll talk about it in, in the following weeks. Amen? But hey, wherever you are, like, just like I said this morning, wherever you are in, in your um, married relationship, okay, whether, whether this is your second or third or whether you're not even married yet, okay, you be committed to do it God's way from this point on. Hmm. Amen. Amen? Let the past be the past. That, 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 that's, that's gone. Amen. Uh, if, you, if you know the Lord, you confess that a sin, then it, it's behind you. Amen. It's under the blood. In fact, it's not even under the blood. It's gone. Mm. <laughs> it's been washed away by the blood. Amen. But you be committed from this point forward. I'm going to do marriage God's way. I want God's way for my life. Amen. And I, I want to do it right. And I want to be a testimony of God's love to me and how He loves the world. And He gave Himself for us. Amen. That we might be sanctified and cleansed. And I want to be an example of that to the lost world. Amen.